This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, tonight, uh, I've been looking forward to this word. I know that it has to come over a mountain. It has to come through a valley to get to us tonight. But Lord, I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus that you will just speak to us clearly. Lord, I'm asking you, let me get out of the way so that the message you intend for this congregation will come clear. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Acts chapter 8, verse number 26 tonight. Acts chapter 8, verse number 26 uh, is an interesting passage of Scripture. It says this, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road. Which road? So get out there where, if you've ever ridden on this road, I have ridden on this desert road on one of these trips to Israel, uh, the one and only time that uh, I'm looking for Pastor Michael. I don't know if he's out in the class or doing something right now, but one of the only times I've ever let him have command of the vehicle. And we got way too close on the desert road. I'm looking at him now. And they were like, if you want to live, you will turn right and not left. Come on now, amen. And so we always stay in the safe part of the country. And we were down along the Egypt border where all the fighting was happening. Somehow, I fell asleep and woke up at a checkpoint. And I can't, so I have a unique perspective of this desert road. Uh, I've seen uh, uh, nothing like that in the north where the where the tours go, but we we he likes to venture, and we ventured. And so when I'm thinking about this desert road, I really know that it is the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza, and we were on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, so we're in that same region area, and this region it, it is barren. It is not where you want to be. It is not what you want to travel on. Uh, you you are in danger. Uh, and only that part of Israel, Israel, Jordan always says Israel's the safest place she's ever been. But on that side of Israel, down near the Gaza Strip, you, it, they tell you not to go. Don't be in that part. We don't go there. Don't take tours to that part of, of Israel. But... I tell you this to tell you it's lonely, it's dangerous, and it's been lonely and dangerous for thousands of years. So Philip is in a place called Samaria with his friends. Peter and John are there. They're preaching. They're seeing people healed. They're seeing people delivered and saved. And quite frankly, revival has broken out in Samaria. Now listen, if you're a preacher... And revival's happening. Where do you want to be? Where revival's happening. You want to be where you can preach. And Philip is right where he wants to be, except now all of a sudden an angel comes to him and says, get up and I want you to go to the desert road and I want you to go in the middle of nowhere where things are not safe and there's nothing there. How many of you would just feel like, like, what did I do wrong, God? How did I miss this, God? 
How did this change? What, what happened in my life that caused me to have to go to the desert road? You see, as he goes to this desert road, he leaves revival and he goes to the wilderness alone. Now let's take a look for just a moment at this and think about what Philip must be feeling. There's no fun stuff happening here. There's nothing going on. But Philip is told to leave this place, go back down to Jerusalem, and then keep going further down toward Egypt. There's nothing. And the deal is, it's a very specific command. It's clear. This is where I want you to go. He didn't say, I want you to go to Gaza. He said, I want you to go the dangerous way to Gaza. I want you to go the way that everybody tries to avoid. It's almost, uh, forgive me for saying this way, it's almost like he said, I want you to go the long way home. I want you to drive through the place that makes you, have you ever driven maybe somewhere in your community that every time you drive by there, you just get a weird feeling? That's that place. He says, I want you to go through that dark place. I want you to go through there, and it doesn't make any sense to him. And it seems like God is telling Philip this. Listen to me. It seems like God is saying, I want you to move away from the move of God. I want you to move away from the move of God, not closer to it. And he's frustrated. And the problem is when, and I've been so excited about bringing you this message tonight, but the problem is when God gives you a crazy command like this to to, to leave where things are good, to go and do something that doesn't make sense, we always want to know the where and the why, the reason, and we always want to go to the destination. Can I get an amen for that? God, what are you doing? What we really want is, listen to this, we want God to give us a sneak peek of what our next step is. God, show me what's next. Show me why, listen to this, show me why I should obey you. And God says, you should obey me because I've never let you down. I've never forsaken you. I've never turned you wrong. How many of you have ended up in the wrong place on your own a few times? (laughs) I remember when we first got GPSs. I put mine on and, you know, and, 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 you know, you get to choose between John and Jill. All right, right, let's just take a poll. How many of yours is on John? Anybody? How many of yours is British? I knew there were some of you in here. How many of yours is on Jill, the female voice? How many of you don't even use the GPS? How many are not going to raise your hand no matter what I ask? (laughs) Listen to. So I put mine on Jill. So I'm driving down the road, and Jill says, turn here. And I'm like, there's no here. Turn here, and there's no here. And I'm arguing with Jill, there's no here. And she says, recalculating. I said, if you don't be quiet, I'm going to throw you out the window. But then I realized, listen to what I'm about to say to you, is that there was a road I could not see. And what was happening was I was looking with my natural eye and could not see something that was clearly there that I needed 
to go down to get to the destination that I was intending to go to. And the problem is for most of us, we want God to give us a sneak peek of the thing we can't see. And God says, I've got to teach you some things that you need to learn before I show you the thing you can't see because you won't be ready for the destination until you learn to look for what I'm trying to show you. Don't make me preach here for a while. Get here with me quick. Stay with me. This is important. The enemy wants you so focused on getting back to whatever it is you want to get back to that you don't let God do in you what he wants to do that will help you live. See, the Bible said that he said, I will make you more than a conqueror. And people shout about being more than a conqueror until I ask most of them this question. What is more than a conqueror? A possessor. A conqueror wins the land, but more than a conqueror is the person who possesses the land. The person who moves in, lives there, raises a family there, raises a harvest there, does what they're supposed to do there. Most of us are too busy just trying to beat every day's trials to possess what God's called us to possess. But the problem is God tells us to move and we're like, I don't know what you're doing, so I'm not moving. I'm preaching, I believe, truth for us tonight. You see, the fact finding we need to determine is that, 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 that God's really saying, will you follow or not? You see, we're not given the direction of God for our consideration, our deliberation, or our negotiation. But we're given it for our activation. Letting that sink in. God didn't say... Forgive your neighbor so you can think about it, argue about it, and ask 12 friends if they think you really need to forgive your neighbor. No, God wants you to start activating it, and you'll find that in the forgiveness you have for your neighbor, you're going to find some forgiveness that you couldn't find for yourself. And all of a sudden, you now have not only conquered something, you possess something you couldn't possess before. You see, Philip was in tune with the voice of God. And God said, hey, I want you to go clearly to this road. He was committed enough to his relationship with Jesus that he left his priorities behind. He left the pulpit that he had so enjoyed, and he went forward on a desert road. And this is what verse 27 says this. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian. Notice this. I want you to see this. An Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kadic, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem. Notice this. He was an, he's a royal official. He's an Ethiopian eunuch. He has gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he's on his way home reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. This is important. There's some things I want you to notice about this man and his character in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, we're actually given more details about him than almost any other person that we hear that comes in quickly into the Scripture. First, he is Ethiopian. Second, he is a eunuch. 
Third, he is a high-ranking official in a very important, wealthy empire. So he's an Ethiopian, and at this point in history, we know it's the kingdom of Moria, and it would have been the, the biblical land of Cush, and he would have spanned from, which would have spanned from modern-day modern day Ashwan uh, uh, to Koturum. And this story would have fascinated first-century Greeks, uh, Greeks and Roman audiences. Why? Because they would have heard of this very place uh, in, the, in, in, in Homer's Odyssey. They would have heard of these things, so they would have been listening to this story. And now the scholars begin to debate a lot of things about this, but here's what we understand, that this man is a Gentile who fears God. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter a whole lot if he fears God. Watch this, because we hear that he's a Gentile eunuch. And because he's a Gentile eunuch, he's not allowed to go any further into the house of God than the court of the Gentiles, and he cannot go into the place of worship because according to Deuteronomy 23 and 1, when you are turned into a eunuch, you are no longer welcome in the temple of the living God. See, what would happen is they would take these young boys, castrate them so that they could serve the female rulers. And in his case, he was serving this queen. And so he had, he had been castrated. And so what happened with him was they removed this sexual temptation from his life. But what it also did was according to Jewish law, it made him unable to go into the place of worship. What had happened to him in his life marked him. Now somebody needs to get what I'm trying to tell you here. Marked him in such a way that he could not go into the place of worship. He's a high-ranking official. He's a treasurer. He's a great man of importance. He has great influence, and, he has, and he's very wealthy and influential. We know this because he's gone to Jerusalem to worship. He's devout. He's trying to do what's right, even though he can't go all the way, even though there's a physical block that prevents him from going all the way in his worship. He has traveled on a 1,500-mile journey that most people can't afford, and when he gets there, he can only go so far. He can't get into the presence of God. He's just happy being close to the presence of God. Now, I'm getting way ahead of myself toward the end of this message, but I need to preach this for somebody here tonight. I, I've really tried until this point. I have made it about 18 minutes without yelling and screaming yet, but I feel something in my soul stirring up because somebody needs to hear what I've come to tell you tonight. Why have you put physical limitations on your life that make you think everybody else can get into the presence of God, but because of what happened to you, because of what you did back when, you will never, ever be worthy to get in the presence of God. Can I just go ahead and tell you tonight that none of us are worthy to get in the presence of God. But because of Jesus Christ, we are welcome to boldly approach the throne of grace. Because of who he is and what he's done. You see, we understand he can't get in there, but he's happy being close. I'm tired of people being happy just being close to God. He said, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden and weary and burdensome. Cast your care on me, for I care for you. He has bid you to come 
closer and closer. But we stand out here, God, you don't understand. Under the law, I'm unclean. Under the judgment of the world, I'm unclean. Under religious standards, I'm unclean. I've been this. I've been that. I've been an addict. I've been to prison. I've cheated. I've lied. I've been married this many times. I've made this many mistakes. I've done this, this, and this. And we number it up so many times that we're standing here going, well, I'm just glad he lets me in his house. You are not just able to come into his house. This is your father's house. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants you to get into his presence. I made it 18 minutes without yelling. But I feel it. Secondly, we find something very significant here. He is reading from Isaiah. As he reads from Isaiah, you have to understand, to have a scroll of the Old Testament during this time period was incredibly rare. They were very expensive. Most towns, you had to have a certain number of families to have a synagogue in a town. A synagogue was not a church. Don't ever, I always cringe when people say, well, that was their church. A synagogue was not a church. The synagogue simply was a meeting place that had to have a secondary function where they read the word. And these synagogues always had in them this cabinet so that when the news stopped from the week, on the Sabbath, they would open the cabinet and bring out the word. There's a sermon right there. Somebody need to start bringing out the word every day, but let me go on. And because the word of God was so expensive, most towns, if they had a scrap of the Old Testament, they only had a partial, small little part of a scroll. They stored them in this, this sacred chest, as it were. I, I, I go to Magdala, and there's the oldest synagogue in all of Israel. And you see where they would store the old scrolls. And then they would gather and they would read. And then we know that this synagogue was there during the time of Christ. And I wonder, if this is this a place he said, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to set the captive free. Is this this kind of spot? But I want you to listen to what I'm about to say to you. This man is somehow wealthy enough that he possesses the scroll of Isaiah, an ancient copy intact of the scroll of Isaiah. We know that he has that this ancient copy that's intact because it says he has the scroll, not a partial scroll, and he's reading from a very specific place in it that's almost at the end. The Ethiopian eunuch is an outsider who has no right to go in but he made up his mind he would devote himself to learning about God. Can I tell you, what you need to make up your mind is, is to say, I will no longer listen to the enemy tell me why I cannot come into the presence of God. I'm going to get to know God, and when I get to know him, I will be like Abraham. I'm going to be called a friend of God. I'm going to become one that he loves, and you're going to be able to walk around with some others in this church and say, hey, I'm God's favorite child. Some of you ready to fight over that title. Come on now. Oh, pastor, I don't know that's Paul. He said you're the apple of his eye. He loves you. I feel like this is something important for somebody tonight. So I know I just gave you a lot. Let me review it fast. 
Philip's preaching in Samaria. He leaves the revival. He follows a crazy command of God to go down to the desert. There in the desert, he runs into this Ethiopian eunuch who has so devoted to God that he spent a lot of money to go to Jerusalem. And now he possesses a scroll of the book of Isaiah. And we pick up in verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. This verse messes with my motto verse for life. My motto verse for life is bodily exercise profits little. This verse says, let me hear all my runners say amen. This verse says, go for a jog. The man, don't you use that against me, by the way. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. The man said, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? Notice this, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Praise God, God had grace. He said, you've run far enough. Come on, amen. The Holy Spirit said, get close. Get close enough to listen. Now listen to this, this is important. Philip engages with the man. He sits down and he begins to start where the man is. In Isaiah, he doesn't say go back here. He starts right where the man is and he starts, he doesn't start answering questions that the man isn't asking. He actually answers the question the man asks. He says, how can I understand this? It doesn't make sense to me. And so he sits down and this is important to notice. This is so important that this man who couldn't get into the presence of God in the temple, God has, listen to what I'm about to say. God has chosen a wilderness place to introduce himself to him. God has chosen a remote desert road to say, let me meet you. You may not be perfect and you may be scarred, but I'm still after you. I should have got a better amen than that. Verse 32 says this. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. I want you to notice this. This, we understand exactly what he's reading. He's reading from Isaiah 53, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And remember, there were no, there were no chapters. There were no verses at this point. He's reading a continuous flow. He, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, you don't have a clue about Jesus. And uh, you're reading this passage, and you're like, what in the world is this talking about? Then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, sir, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage where he started right where God had the man. God had Philip on a road that he didn't want to be on. Listen to me now. And God had the eunuch right where he needed to be to get on a road he needed to be on. Then he asked him, tell me, please, sir, who is this? And Philip began with the very passage of Scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. So he's reading this section of the Isaiah scroll. Philip's able to tell him about the life and teachings of Jesus, about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, the fulfillment of Jesus, and how he fulfilled the prophetic utterances of Isaiah 53. Now here's what's tempting for us 
is to put all of this in this chapter-by-chapter mentality and say, okay, we read a whole chapter, we're through. But the problem is there were no chapters, and so he keeps reading. And, and Isaiah 53 talks about this suffering servant, and he reveals him as prophetic words of Jesus. But here's the deal. The man has a scroll that does not have a delineation that says, stop here. So I think Philip kept on reading, and he brings him all the way over, and I feel the Holy Spirit is about to speak to you. He brings him all the way over to what we call Isaiah 54. And Isaiah 54 ha- takes the story of the of the suffering savior and it's Isaiah 54 declares that the Jesus was the sin offering that was made not just for the Jewish people but for anyone and any nation who desired to get to know God Watch this now. Isaiah 53 said, Jesus is the way. And, and he says, okay, Jesus is the way for the Jews. Isaiah 54 says, not just for the Jews. It's for anybody who's hungry. Anybody who wants to get to know God. Anybody who wants to taste and see that the Lord is good. You say, well, why do you say that? Because then he kept reading and Isaiah 55 takes it from the suffering servant to the one who said, let any who are thirsty come unto me. He declared all All who are thirsty, come unto me, Jesus said. And then we realize that somewhere over, now you've got to stay with me here. I've been trying to give you a lot of information. Philip, somewhere he doesn't want to be. He's doing something he didn't want to do. But suddenly God puts him right where he's supposed to be and puts him right in the middle of the questions. And he answers the man and says, let me tell you about Jesus. And then Jesus reveals himself and says, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you were born. I don't care what you've done. Come unto me. All who are thirsty and I will give you rest and then all of a sudden watch this though this eunuch is sitting there going but I know that the word says I can't approach God and then you hit Isaiah 56 and Isaiah 56 says this in verse number three if you've got it in your Bibles you need to mark it you need to write it down you need to underline it you need to circle it listen to what I'm about to say to you let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. In other words, let, don't let anybody think God doesn't want me. And this is what I love. Are you with me? And let no eunuch complain. I am only a dry tree. Are you with me at all? Let no eunuch. (laughs) Let me just read just a moment more because I'm getting too messed up up here. For this is what the Lord says. The eunuch who came my Sabbath, the eunuch who honors my ways, who chose me, what pleases me, and holds fast to my covenant, To them, I will give within my temple. I will give them in the place they cannot go on their own. And in its walls, a memorial and a name that is better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Now listen to that for a moment. Maybe you're not as fired up as I am, but I feel it in my bones. He says, I don't understand what he's talking about. And Jesus said, I sent a man. He's running beside you. Look over. Philip says, 
It's about time. The man says, come up here and tell me what I don't know. Can I just tell you tonight, it is my joy, it is my honor to reveal something you did not know, you did not understand, that Jesus made a way that no matter who you are, where you're from, that no matter what nation, what background, what scars, what sins you have, he says, come unto me, all of you who are thirsty. Now watch this. And then he says, let the eunuch. Oh, you're, you're not there yet. Let the eunuch. Let the liar. Let the adulterer. Let the thief. Let the addict. Let the hypocrite. Let the sinner, no matter what the sin is, understand that you may think that whatever happened in your body keeps you from my presence. But if you will honor my ways and serve me with your life, I will create for you an everlasting covenant. And I will build for you something that will last forever. What the, my goodness, what the devil thought he was going to rob from you, God says was momentary and fleeting and maybe 70 years, but I'm going to give you something that will stand the test of time. You will live forever. Amen. Oh, Pastor John, you just don't understand. No, you don't understand. This was not written 30 days before. It was not written 50 years before. Thousands of years before the eunuch. Isaiah wrote it. Isaiah said, I don't know why I'm writing this, but it's coming out. You're going, really? He, the Bible says that the prophets wrote as the Spirit gave them what to write. He just starts writing. He writes him to the gospel. He tears down every wall. He invites him into the presence of God. And then he says, and I don't even care that Deuteronomy said you weren't worthy. Pastor Don, that's blasphemous. No, it's what Jesus said. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law to show you that those things are not my plan. Those things are not my will. It is not my will that you live in these kind of bondages. It's not my will that you, that you harm anyone that way. But I will take what the world has done to you and the harm it has created in you, and I will tell you that you are no longer unworthy and you are no longer a scarred, broken mess. You are part of a masterpiece, and I've prepared for you thousands of years in advance. I prepared for you while you were still yet in your mother's womb, a purpose and a place and a way to get into the presence of God. Am I making sense to anybody tonight? Why don't you praise a God who says, come unto me and I'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Why don't you give him a praise like he deserves? I said, praise a God who loves you. I'm running beside you saying, let me show you Jesus tonight. I've just probably out preached myself where I don't know where I am in my sermon. The, the screen says Acts 36, 836. So I'm just going to go back there. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch, the eunuch said, look, here's some water. 
What keeps me from being baptized? Can I tell you what that means? He believed what he heard. The only reason you're not walking in the victory God's prepared you for is you have not yet believed what you've heard. It's true. You think you're too scarred, too bad, and too broken. Here it is. What prevents me? I'll never forget. Speaking of water, lest we be baptized. I'll never forget this moment. The phone rings here at the church as many, many years ago, and it was a local deputy sheriff, and he said, uh, he said, I, I speak to Pastor Don, and he said, hey, this is deputy so-and-so, and I said, I said, uh, I don't know who you're looking for, and I just fled. <laughs> you got any warrants for me? No, I just fled. But, uh, I said, can I help you, sir? And he said, uh, he said, my father-in-law is, I believe he was 67 years old. 67 years old. I forget from what part of the country he was from. But he said he has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ before. Never. In his whole life. And he said, we tuned you in on television the other day. And he said, you were getting fired up and you told him about Jesus. And he said, I want you to get that man out here because I want to meet this Jesus. And I said, well, I'll be there in a little while. Set up a time, came to their house. Feeling a little strange. Walk in. The man is sitting in his recliner. And they said he's been given less than two weeks to live. Fully coherent. I talked with him. I said, I've come to tell you about Jesus. He said, I want to know. I shared the love of Jesus Christ with him. Tears streaming down his face. I said, are you ready? Do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to know Jesus? Pastor, I'm ready. So I, I had him bow his head and I had him, I had him bow his head and close his eyes and, and, and we prayed that sinner's prayer that you've heard me pray so many times with you. I confess I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. Went through the whole thing. And then I said, and now I declare that God is my father. Heaven is my home and Jesus is my savior. And what normally happens after you pray that with somebody is the glory of God manifests as the spirit of God seals them unto the day of redemption. You feel it in the room. It's what happened the other Sunday when I just lost it up here. You just, it was just manifesting in the room. But it wasn't there. I didn't feel a thing. I looked at him and I said, uh, I said, brother, did, buddy, did you believe that? And he said, uh, oh yeah, I believe it. I'm saved. And he had no clue. I said, did you confess everything? He said, yes, preacher. I'm trusting Jesus to forgive you of everything. I said, Holy Ghost? I asked him again, I said, are you sure there's nothing you're holding back? He said, you told me that if I would believe that Jesus would forgive me. And all of a sudden, the spirit of the living God spoke to me. And he said, baptize him. I said, Lord, uh, 
He's in a lazy boy dying. How? And I got that sick feeling in my gut that is, you better listen now, boy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I said, I said, guys, I know this sounds crazy. And I don't want to offend any of you, but the Lord just told me to baptize him. And they said, well, how do you want to do it? I said, well, I don't think we can get him in the bathtub. I said, today I'm a Methodist. I said, go give me a bowl of water. And they went and got me the biggest bowl of water they could find. I said, well, I'm a little Baptist apparently too. Come on, amen. <laughs> and I squared up with that man. We put towels all over him. I said, I want to baptize you. He said, please. And I tilted that water. And when I did, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, get ready to go hit you. (laughs) And in the name of the Holy Spirit, and the moment that last splash of water went across his forehead, the tangible glory of God swept into the room. Now listen to what I'm about to tell you. It wasn't the baptism. It wasn't that he didn't believe. It was God was saying, let me show you what's waiting for you. The presence of God. Who cares about golden streets? Who cares about mansions? We shall see him face to face. And the presence of God manifests in the whole room is almost on their faces before him. Two weeks later, I think it was, or maybe 10 days or so, I preached his funeral, knowing I will see this man someday. You see, what you're missing this story is that he goes down into the water and Philip baptizes him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. He went on his way. What? No longer questioning. No longer feeling unworthy because what lay in the temple at this point was nothing. The Bible lets me know that when the Holy Spirit fell that the glory left the temple and it manifests inside of the temples of the living God for you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He no longer was excluded He had been welcomed into the presence of God. Now, I'm just going to tie this up, if I can, into something from history. It's not scriptural, but it's from history. A eunuch can't have children, obviously. And the word says, I will give you children, or something better than children, a memorial in the house of the living God. What people miss about this Ethiopian eunuch is that 
History tells us that he leaves, gets back on the road and goes home and starts preaching what he's been given. The one who couldn't get in now tells other people how to get in. And one of the largest, if not the largest church in history is born from this man's preaching as his sons and daughters in the Lord multiplied into one of the greatest revivals. It actually is the place we call the 1040 window today to where most of a lot of that is Islamic today was the place that sent the gospel out to us. This man produced a harvest of memorial that the world has never equaled. Could it be possible as you stand with me tonight that God may have sent us a word that says, I want to produce in you something you thought you couldn't do? I want to use you for where you thought you couldn't get with God to do something greater than you could have ever imagined. This man just wanted to get in the presence of God. He just wanted to be able to go in. And God said, I didn't call you just to come in. I called you to be part of a greater plan. A masterpiece, Scripture calls it. That you're welcome. That's all I hear right now in my spirit is, you're welcome. You're welcome. Come on in. You're welcome. Nothing can keep you out. You're welcome. The invitation is there. Jesus, the suffering servant, made a way. He said, I don't care where you're from, what you've done, who you are, how you were born, where you were born. It doesn't matter. Come unto me, all of you who are thirsty. And I'll take what you thought scarred you and give you a greater life than you could ever imagine. You're welcome. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. We have time tonight. I purposely have timed us to this point to obey the Holy Spirit, but to also say you're welcome. Come unto him all who are heavy laden. Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. Lay your burdens at his feet. As we worship, come. If there's a sin that tells you you're not worthy, join me in saying, I know I'm not. But it will not keep me out. Maybe you've never walked to an altar before. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I don't really want anybody to touch you. I just want you to come find a place in his presence and receive his welcome. Would anybody come? Does anybody feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit to come? All who are weary come. Who will join with these few that are beginning to come? Find yourself a place to pray. Find yourself a place to pray. Listen, I don't know where this just came from. Maybe I guess it's, it's just maybe you think that you're you, you're worried that maybe if you were to kneel, you couldn't get up. Then you you start praying right where you are. Take a seat, bow your heads in reverence. But 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 there's more room in this altar. Come, come, come before Him.
Nothing can keep you out. Nothing can stop you. Pastor, you don't know how deep my sin is. No, you don't know how deep his love is. His love is greater. I feel the Holy Ghost of the living God. I'm not going to beg you. These altars already have almost 20-something people in them, but are there others? Are there others? This is your moment. This is your time. Pastor, I've been at the altar so many times, but, but, but is there something? Is there something? Pastor, you just want people to know, yes. I just want you to come to him, not me. I'm not going to touch you. Is there another? Holy Spirit of the Most High God. Walk among these. Move among them. Spirit of the living God. Forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Every sin. Oh, your sins are many. No, 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 no. His grace is greater. Stop looking at your sins and start looking at His grace. Oh, I surrender all. Holy Ghost. Give it to Him. Give it to Him. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Ghost, Lord, forgive us our unforgiveness. I surrender all. I surrender all. to Father, as I have labored over this word for the last two days in my heart, as I felt it stirring that you have prepared in advance for us exactly, exactly what we need thousands of years before we were even born. You prepared for us. Lord, 2,000 plus years ago now, you made a way where there seemed to be no way. You, Jesus, broke into the darkness with the light, the light that the world didn't comprehend, but yet you have shown, and we are now children of the light. Children of the Most High God. Oh, to know you. Lord, to not keep anyone else out and not to stay out ourselves, but to know you, to come, to come to know you for you are raising up from among these that are the wheat, Lord. You are raising up among them those who will produce a harvest where they thought there could be no harvest, that they thought they had wasted their lives. Lord, let the latter, uh, Lord, be greater than the former. You promised 
that the latter rain would be greater than the former rain. Let the latter, let what happens from this point forward be greater. Jesus has made a way. Thank you, Jesus. One more time through that song, Pastor. set his hands for you. Just lift them before him. Thank you, Jesus. We are forgiven. We are cleansed. We are yours. Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It is my honest desire that tonight you take something with you. Right now as we, we, we lift our hands, remember the Odah and Todah, we lift them to him and say, Lord, fill us up, fill us up. We praise you, fill us up. Make us like Jesus. Remember the promise, those who will obey my Sabbath and honor my ways shall become an everlasting memorial. We are trophies of grace. Let us honor his grace. In Jesus' name, amen. How many thankful for Jesus who made a way where there seems to be no way? Hallelujah. Come on. He's a good God, a mighty king, an everlasting father. Thank you, Jesus. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.